1: I know John doesn't like to join the other teachers because he feels like he'll overshadow. And of course he would, but I never like to do any teaching without leaning heavily on John's comments. Uh, and again, the Buddha never taught that there was no self. That's not the point of our practice. It's he taught us that be aware of what not-self is. So, John's comments, rather than teach a nihilistic dharma that insists on the denying of the very existence of a person, the Buddha teaches that if one cares for for themselves, they will integrate his authentic dharma and abandon false dharmas. That's self-care. The Buddha's words, if one truly cares for themselves, they will diligently practice restraint. The disciple always He's mindful of his thoughts, words, and deeds. Just the word disciple. It's a it means student and it means discipline. This is what we're striving to do is discipline ourselves at the point of contact. Mm-hmm. We are all six property beings. And we we experience the word the world at the point of contact through our six senses and that's all we are where we get messed up is that mind we all interpret it differently and create suffering so self-care is all about being very mindful of our thoughts words and deeds that's all that you have to do so the buddha starts if one truly cares for themselves they would diligently practice restraint The disciple is always mindful of thoughts, words, and deeds. Buddha continues. The disciple avoids reproach, understands the Dharma dharma, before he instructs others. The disciple acts as they teach others to act. The disciple controls themselves. Self-control is indeed difficult. These are the two most important passages for myself since I've become a teacher. It's like, Huge responsibility to be in front of a group of people, my sangha, and understand what I'm talking about. I, when John approached me and counselled me to become a teacher, I wouldn't have accepted if I didn't feel comfortable with my understanding of of this Dhamma. It's, I. I I can't mislead you by not knowing what i'm talking about and he's telling all of us even if we're just first-time people coming to the saga it's important to understand sometimes all the silence is the correct way to go but sometimes all you have to say is this is this group i'm with and a come and see for yourself i think matt does that continually he doesn't preach to someone that come and join, you'll change your world. But he says gently, come and see for yourself and that's all we can do. Uh, And again, know the subject, understand it. And again, before you act, you need to live that life. Like outside of this room, nobody knows what my practice is. is a very small group of people outside of this room but i know that i conduct myself in a way where i live a moderate life i sit twice a day i join here a couple times a week and i listen to what everyone else has to say and if someone was looking down on me they would see someone that lives that life and through my thoughts, words, and deeds, I feel comfortable. And again, I never would have become a teacher without those two things. So, uh, again, these two passages have always struck me as kind of like my litmus test on whether I'll continue Mm -hmm. to be a teacher because if I'm not living that life, I don't want to mislead anyone and that would just be unskillful. The Buddha's words. The disciple protects themselves. Who else could do so? Fully controlled, the disciple achieves what is difficult to achieve. At the end of the Buddha's life, he was 80. He was, think about an 80-year-old 2,600 years ago, what, what the inflation rate of that was. And he was cobbled together he was ill. He knew he was, well, he was born subject to aging and illness and death. So he understood it. But the monks and particularly Ananda were distraught. They were just, how would they go on? And the Buddha understood that, of course, all things pass. All things are impermanent. But the Buddha said something to Ananda that has always struck me and this is just a short little part of uh, that the Buddha said, therefore Ananda, you should live as islands unto yourself being your own refuge with no one else a- as your refuge and the Dhamma as your refuge with no other refuge. So in the end, this is a, as my friend Tim would often say, introspective practice. This is looking inward. You'll have the ability to notice, as Nina said last week, you'll see the spiciness of others. But really, truly, this practice is about you know, reflection on what is causing the passion in you to lash out or resent or any of the other hindrances. So it truly is, you're an island unto yourself. Your Sangha is here to support you, the Buddha is there as the example of a sight, right, rightly self-awakened one and of course the Dhamma is always there, but truly you are an island unto yourself, so who else can protect you than, other than yourself? The Buddha continues, The suffering fool does by themselves, for themselves, produced by themselves, grinds themselves down as a diamond grinds a lesser stone. So again, we inflict the suffering. I don't think Laura and Nina and Dustin, you've heard the Second Arrow Sutta, but essentially we cause, what's the the Sutta? Salata Sutta. Salata Sutta. It's such a simple teaching of, we cause our own suffering. And that's what this passage is talking about, that we are the ones causing our suffering. It's not the outside world that has the passion. We have the passion, you know, the, the fire inside us the cause that suffering. So we must look to ourselves for that reflection. So uh, again, we cause that suffering only we can end that suffering through the Dhammas teachings. The Buddha continues, just a single creep- creeper strangles a tree the depraved fool harms themselves as an enemy would. And again, over and over again, he's saying, we cause our suffering. It's not the person who slammed their brakes out in front of you, or the boss who chastised you, or the teacher who, you know, ignores you. All those are second arrow. And again, I can't wait to listen to that, Sutta. It's, it's It's such a... And grab your attention that we are really the cause of our suffering again the Buddha continues hurtful thoughts words and deeds are easy to do difficult is remaining harmless and helpful again this whole practice is kind of based on restraint at first it's like this crude restraint I'm not gonna I'm not gonna answer that guy I'm gonna avoid you know reacting to him. And then there's wise restraint, based on the Eightfold Path. And that's where you really gain that power to control your, what you want to think, when you want to think it. So again, it's easy to be unskillful. It's difficult to be skillful and be harmless and helpful. The Buddha's words. Those with fabricated views, who scorn the Dhamma, dharma, and the teachers of the Dhamma, this fool produces their own destruction. Again within the Buddha's own family, his own sangha, Devadatta attempted to create a schism in the the sangha, tried to kill him three times and failed, but at some point he basically convinced a large group of monks to follow him again. You know, scorning this gentle, self caring Dhamma. And actually, I, I believe uh, Sariputta and Moggallana chased them down and convinced a good portion of the monks to come back. And again, it's uh, those were fabricated views who scorn the Dhamma and the teachers of the Dhamma. This fool produces their own d- destruction. In, in the end, uh, David did, uh, you know, destroy himself right? by his own greed, by his own <coughs> desire, just to gain fame and, you know, wealth, versus what the Buddha, uh, you know, offered, just a simple truth. The Buddha continues: the fool does harm; the fool is defiled. The disciple abandons hurtful thoughts, words, and deeds, and makes themselves pure. Purity purity and impurity depend on oneself, and no one can purify another. Do not neglect one's own welfare for the sake of another. However enticing, knowing clearly one's own welfare first, the disciple can now be intent on calm. Again, it's It's, self-care, it's your responsibility to take care of yourself and to apply yourself to this practice. Others welfare, you cannot save someone else, you cannot force them to take up this practice. You can be an example for them, but in the end, you have to take care of yourself. And again, that may seem selfish, but truly it isn't, because as John says, you know, the best thing he can do is awaken himself, and then you know, bring people like us together to see him as an example, to see the Buddha as an example. These are John's comments. The last re-emphasizes that Buddha's admonition to develop and integrate the authentic Dhamma, and then from a quality of mind rooted in peace and wisdom, one can truly be helpful to others. That's the end. So as you put your thoughts together and what you'd like to say if you choose to say something, again, look back at, this is a, a teaching that doesn't have a lot of metaphor. It's truly just instruction it's, it's a warning, but also encouragement. And again, that's where this whole practice is so gentle. So, uh, why don't we start in the room? I'm going to go to my friend, Julie. I haven't seen him so long. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Yeah. It would be good to be here again. Yeah. Um, I
2: like the Susha very much. I um, especially this this line of purity and impurity. Depend on oneself, and no one can purify another. It's it's very it, it, it's 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 so true. We're the only people, person that can control, first of all, our, our own actions. Mm. And can, can, by controlling our own actions, we can we can protect ourselves from ourselves and hurting ourselves. Uh, you, usually, the, you know, something will some stimulus will come, and it. It, can, it, it will go through us, but it's ourselves and our mind that creates that, like you said, the second arrow, you know? So, and as you said, this this is just simple terms of, like, instruction. It's not, there's no no, no flowery words, no metaphors or anything like that. This is just, just pure and
1: simple. Yeah, and it's interesting. We're kind of like in the middle now, <clears throat> where he spends a lot of time saying what not to do, and mm-hmm. then I think the second half is a lot of what you should be doing, and again, it's this is a, a group of passages kind of put together, mm-hmm. so this wasn't spoken by the Buddha all at once, mm-hmm. but... Uh,
2: I don't think that little excerpts from suttas, you know, from these different suttas that yeah. have something in common, you put yeah. and that, that they put together as a, like a... Um, Almost like, like cook notes or
1: something, yeah. you know, like a, and I often like, a synopsis. <laughs> yeah, and often I'll look at one of these and then it springboards into yeah. reading about something else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Again, I, it, it caught my eye, in the passage with Ananda, that's from, you know, the Buddha's last uh, days. It's a very long,
3: mm-hmm. he went on the
1: road, he had, went on a road trip, basically mm-hmm. doing his last tour and, you know, the Buddha was just saying, what more can I teach you? you have everything so in the end it's it's just us and again of course we have the you know this well-focused sangha that you know we're we're all thankful for but in the end it's it's an individual endeavor so the other
2: thing that I really like is we really can't teach what we don't know ourselves Mm -hmm. it's just that's just it's pure and simple right yeah and so we're not if we're not practicing how can we Mm-hmm. You know, how can we guide somebody else if we don't ourselves you know? Guide th- ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so. And I
1: think this is the beauty of the song because it, it's <clears throat> kind of self-correcting. <clears throat> like if I'm a little off, I'll hear something that Dustin says. I, I truly do. You know, you just started, but something you'll say will make me go, "Oh, I really have to think about how I'm applying what I've read or learned over uh, the course of." five years. And it truly really does work that way. It's not just from the most experienced, but it's, it's all of us. So thank you.
0: Thank you. Hi, Mike. Hi, David. Thank you for the
1: um,
0: I, uh, For us to protect ourselves, the way I uh, interpret this, is. Uh, not so long ago, we had read a, another one of these chapters uh, about pure protection. Uh, and what is pure protection? Um, uh, pure protection is recognizing your own ignorance, your mm-hmm. own self reference. Um, that is the the way I understand it is the basis of all our stress and suffering uh, arises from desire, okay? which is the second noble truth. So, and that just one word, desire. Uh, I try to recognize, in my daily life, I try to recognize when desire arises. Because when desire arises, it means that something Matters to me. And if it matters to me, then its uh, feelings are going to arise from that. Something that matters to me. What matters to me might matter to you or Mm. to anyone else here. So, because each of us have our own conditioned response to life's imperfect. So, pure protection is recognizing desire as it arises so that we can experience life without attaching to it. Yeah. So, Because life is an experience. The illusion of uh, the illusion is is that uh, we think that life is the self. In actuality, we are going through you are going through life and reacting, and uh, letting our reactions affect us. And again, uh, stress and suffering arises there. So, to me, I have to check on myself. You, you heard the young kids say, "You must hurt yourself. If you check yourself before you wreck yourself, right?" <laughs> so, uh, I check myself by, you know, uh, by by seeing like where where desire is in my life. And I understand it for what it is. And I try to use wiser, wiser strength point of point to contact in that curse.
1: Thank you, Michael. It, 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 oh. All through your you know, your talk, I just thought of how much value would have been on a retreat. Mm-hmm. Because you just described mindfulness. Your, the rising in <clears> your awareness and not judging it just being aware of it, being aware of it. put off the cushion you will put some reflection to that attachment and is it skillful or is it causing you suffering so thank you. thank you so glad to see you too Dustin how are you?
4: I'm doing well um that's right where I am just trying to be mindful of that reaction not judging it. That's really. I um, I'm on the, the baby steps. Um, and it feels good to have to have this tool of, of mindfulness even begin. It feels overwhelming. That, that, that react today. I reacted like that. It mm. just came over me. And um, I like what you're saying about the desire. I don't really know what my desire was, but it was a strong reaction. But I caught myself before I did more damage to the person I was reacting
1: to. Mm. And in the past, maybe it would have gone further.
4: It would have gone further, and I would have judged myself more. You know, I would have caused more, more damage inside of myself, and I would have kept that going, you know, and so.
1: And damaged someone else.
4: Yeah, it would have it it kept going. And it would have been totally unconscious, you know. So this, what you're, what you're saying is really great. And like, I'm not there, but I'm like in the beginning stages of that. And I can see how strong the reaction causes the suffering. Um, and I'm still trying to figure out the desire, mm. you know. So that, it's very helpful to hear that, what you're saying. <clears throat> and then the teaching, you know, like self-care I guess I kind of was practicing today by just using the mindfulness that I learned. Absolutely.
1: And again, Matt's description of kind of like you get, get tunnel vision, you kind of lose peripheral vision when you have that anger and But back to your breath. It's a simple thing. It's it's almost silly, but it's a point of focus. So thank you, Justin. Thanks. It's great. Matt. Yeah.
5: Excellent. Um, I really like, uh, you know, both what Julie and Michael Mm -hmm. said, um, and how you made that point about the island being an island unto yourself, and and you know, and you, you tied it up nice because it really is that way. It's not. I'm, I'm I'm an island. I'm not in relationship to people. I'm not in relationship to my family, my friends, my um, you know, all these many relations that we have. but I'm the only one that can, respond appropriately to what's coming up in me. Mm-hmm.
3: You
5: know, I'm the only one that can take responsibility for my life as it occurs. Um, so in that way, you know, like you said, this is that's what this practice is. That's what Eightfold Path practice is. Mm-hmm. Taking responsibility for your life as it occurs. How do we do it? Like what Dustin was saying, of developing mindfulness, developing understanding
1: of our contribution to stress. Well, thanks. Thank you. And I'm sure each one of us today had some version of that moment, very same moment that that each one of us had it, like return to our breath. Maybe not as severe. Could have just been a little moment. But it's the same cycle. Yep. It truly really yeah. is that same cycle that at that point of contact, whatever sound or <clears throat> something comes into your mind, it's the same thing. It's the same, whether it's minute or grand, it's the same process. So thank you.
6: David, yeah. nice to see you. Thank you for leading us in this. Uh, I like what, what Matt sort of was tying on to there what everybody's sort of saying and we're sort of talking about the stress of our own fabrications you know where where this occurs and and you know how we're to like Matt said respond appropriately and uh, we have the tools to do that and most of the time it's going to look like nothing Nothing out of the ordinary it's going to mm-hmm. look like just being quiet responding appropriately, practicing restraint and when we do that through our actions like we've said uh, you know, we're harmless to others and we're harmless to ourselves and uh, it's really nice how we've all tied that up so thank you,
1: thank you. Yeah. and again what's that look like
6: Virtuous factors of the Eightfold Path
1: and calm. Mm-hmm. There's a calmness that, at that moment, you calm yourself. It's, it's, and then you repeat, and then becomes what you are. It's not. I always had a problem with. I think I've said this. The, the thought of restraint it seemed like I was forcing myself, and then I put it in terms of wise restraint within. The practice an eightfold path, but at some point it, it just becomes who you are. Ram and I often talked about that. It just becomes what you are—that you, you, you don't react to the things that you reacted to when you, the day before you came into the, into this room. Calm abiding, mm, calm abiding.
7: Thank you for the teaching. Yeah, I appreciate what everyone's saying because it's kind of clarifying. Um, I was a little bit confused on the last part of the sutra, how it says, um, not disregard, but put aside, um, not put aside the welfare of others.
1: Do not neglect one's own welfare for the sake of another, Mm -hmm. however enticing, knowing clearly one's own welfare first, the disciple can now be intent on calm.
7: When I first read that, because I always thought, well, shouldn't we be practicing like a self- sacrificial kind of love, you know, which sometimes does involve putting aside, you know, our own welfare for the sake of others first, but I guess it's not, I guess like what Matt was saying and everyone else was saying, just by taking responsibility for our own reactions to these things and calm abiding, and I guess we are in a way still, you know, practicing self-care but simultaneously caring for others, because I was just a little mm-hmm. confused about that mm-hmm. at And John, the and John would right. say,
1: this is not about salvation of yourself or others, and the byproduct of Matt, the people around him will see that and not react to, to what Matt 20 years ago may have caused in other people. So that's exactly what you're talking about at the same time. You are taking care of others, but without you in this practice, that may not happen. So it may be a slight second off, but self-care has got to be first. So thank you.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: That's great, David. Can I just speak to that a little? Mm-hmm. Right? Hmm. Laura, there's
5: this is there's a a, a very subtle part of of, of that is um, the habit of sort of internally considering other people's emotional reactions to what you may or may not say and then adapting your behavior to accommodate what you think this other person might feel because you said a certain thing. And so, like Kevin said, that's all of that happened in your imagination. It wasn't mm-hmm. something that was directly communicated. It's
7: like a fabrication. Exactly. Oh, I see what you mean.
5: Exactly. Yeah. So and there's there's sort of I don't know. This is gonna sound really weird, but I don't know. Some kind of Buddhist propaganda that's sort of like, well, we just need to be compassionate, and somehow that means I accommodate this other person's thing because I think they might not like what I'm going to say, mm-hmm. and then I change my behavior, and and what really ends up happening is I'm lying, and I'm not in right speech, and I'm not in right action, and and I've Fabricated a a whole scenario that now I'm stuck carrying out, Mm -hmm.
3: you
5: know, and and I and I think that that's compassion or something like that, right? Yeah. So it's there's.
1: Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And again, the Buddha says those with fabricated views who scorn the Dhamma and the teachers of the Dhamma, this fool produces their own destruction. And again, that's where you'll learn. You'll learn what exactly the is teaching and know that again, it's very it's rigid because he teaches what he teaches. He doesn't, you'll, you can be here for 15 years and you won't see a lot of variation on the Teachings of the Buddha, nor the way the teachers teach it, it'll be very structured to what John restored, and that's what I like best about. Uh, I listened for a year before I even dared come into this room. I just wouldn't come into this room because I, I didn't. I felt intimidated. I, you know, I dreaded coming around the room. You know, listen to my wife and the sisters, and they were like so bright. <laughs> but slowly you just learn and then you experience and that's the most important thing is you experience so thinking that is awesome
0: Hey David Uh, Can we just talk about this just for one more second here um, I think uh, maybe uh, or this is my interpretation of it kind of uh, uh, while practicing the Dhamma Um, we know what the Dhamma entails Okay? Or we're striving to know what the Dhamma is. Okay? So, uh, which is a job in itself to understand exactly what the Dhamma is. Okay? The Dhamma is the way of life in the present moment. Okay? And right view in that moment and going forward. And all that right view entails. the thankful for that. So I think it's uh, having conviction in the Dhamma. In whatever situation that you uh, find yourself in. Uh, And if you're with someone else who is struggling and they're uh, maybe acting out or they're having like a misunderstanding, uh, instead of like compromising your belief in the Dhamma so that it fits someone else's Mm -hmm. uh, perspective or you kind of like mold it to uh, to what they're going through, I I think it's like not, I think it's not compromising the Dhamma whatsoever and the way it's to be practiced. Because that's the best way we can help someone by being a reflection of right action at Mm -hmm. a difficult time. So, I don't know if that has any clarity to it, but I kind of think that that's what the Buddha is saying when we put ourselves first. We have to maintain the integrity of the Dhamma so that we can impart the best possible care compassion, Mm. that particular mind. That's the way I interpret Mm -hmm.
1: that. There's also an aspect of right speech, that Matt taught me this, uh, that sometimes there's the right time and the right place in the context of the person in front of you that, will they even understand? And I, I often am very careful about, you know, teaching to teaching someone outside of this room, even my children, to them it's just, you know, it doesn't mean anything. But uh, again, the example, as Michael said, is they'll look at Michael and say, there's something going on with Michael. Mm-hmm. There's something different about Michael. And again, epico. Yeah. That's make
3: the result of, of self-care.
1: That's self-care you're taking care of but yourself without that,
3: you, yeah you, right. yeah without the self-care you'll never be that example yeah. uh, it's, it's not, just not not possible yeah, there's nothing selfish yeah. about yeah. it and you frankly you're calm. not you're not able to to help anybody because there's way too yeah. much of you mm-hmm. going on inside right uh, and you know that self-care that he's talking about here this whole whole section is uh allows you to to Become that example and to become an effective Helper, you know if if help needs to be given you can give it without getting your own stuff in there as well because yeah. That always blows up right in your face hmm.
6: yeah. Or I, without or without like Matt was saying, you know molding the Dhamma into some mm-hmm. bumper sticker Slogan oh, thing, yeah. you know that we you know, it's all good kind of thing that yeah. it, that we don't need to do that. We know better, you know. We'll just, instead, we'll practice the care to not get involved, right? To, to,
3: and this yes, whole to last, this whole last piece is just a complete refutation of the whole Mahayana thing. The whole Mahayana thing says, first take care of everybody else, then you can take care of you. And it just like flat out says, no. This is not. That you take care of yourself so that you become that light in the world. That's
1: the only way. And basically, I will not awaken right. until everyone awakens. Light your own lamp first. Which <laughs> means it really is an excuse not to practice the Buddha's dhamma because then you're, you've got to well, know. i got to help you. Yeah, yeah. you know, I won't do anything for myself until I help you, which means the opposite of self-care. Right. So, hey, that's not
0: self-care then. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's practicing so, the dhamma self-care.
1: Right?
3: Um, yeah, I, I really want to echo your, your words on, uh, uh, on being a teacher, and getting to be a teacher. Um, that, that I felt that same awesome responsibility. Uh, <clears throat> and that, you know, with many, many years of, of um, still struggling to, to really understand takes a while to to get to that point where you say oh you know now I can skillfully mm. talk to somebody about this and and again you only do it if, if you see that there is there is some kind of reception possible uh, but yeah these, these this whole section of self-care is so much about the third noble truth that, mm. you know you can actually do something you know, exactly. and this, this whole you know, the promise that he holds out here. You know, yeah, you can actually care for yourself. You know, look at me, you know, I've done it. You can, you can do this too and, and do and do the ultimate care for yourself. Uh, mm-hmm. This is a beautiful section. I
1: and especially we can, we can do this as lay people.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: We don't have to go to a monastery, we don't have to these simple teachings are very much able to be applied to each one of our lives. Dustin did it this morning. So, thank you. Let's go online. Brian? Hello. Hey, David, thank you. Um,
6: I uh, This has been
1: wonderful. I'm going to take noble silence. Oh.
6: Fantastic commentary from, from everybody. So, thank you.
1: Slav. You there, Slav? We'll come back to Slav. How about Jeff? I'm sorry, Jeff, I didn't say hello to you.
3: It's okay, I came in a minute of late. Good evening, all. Good evening. Yeah. I appreciate all the wisdom. I'll uh, maintain some uh, noble silence this evening, though. No, thank you.
1: Sure. Hi, Nina. I think you're on mute. Hi,
8: here I am. There you <laughs> um, I was saying that I feel like this teaching is going to reverberate a lot in my mind. I can be kind of literal <laughs> and get tripped up on words a lot. So during this teaching, I felt a little bit sad. There was like some sadness because of the solitary nature of life (laughs) through this teaching and the idea of being on an island um, and needing to protect yourself from things just makes me feel kind of sad.
1: That's interesting. And again-
8: (laughs) But then I listened to Matt talk to Laura. (laughs) That's right. And I caught myself putting feelings on something it doesn't necessarily have to have feelings attached to it like clinging to this feeling of sadness that doesn't really need to
1: be there and just remember the three jewels are there to support us the buddha his teachings the dhamma and this sangha so in the end when we leave this room we're on an island but we take the support with us so and then you take it when you go home and you sit so that sadness should be fleeting because you should feel comfort in what matt says
8: so. and then the second part of the teaching that it kind of bro- was broken into two parts for me because of then that feeling of restraint and um in your thoughts, words, and deeds, that just kind of wipes away my first reaction <laughs> to it. It was like, it taught me within the teaching, obviously. Yeah, but. the Buddha does that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. Hi, Jane.
9: Hi, David. Um, thank you so much for the teaching. When you teach, it's always so down-to-earth and practice. And, um, this this teaching got me to thinking about how much i am responsible for either my stress or the ending of stress Um, prior to my practice i was always in warrior mode i was waiting to absorb a blow and to you know give it back give something back i mean it was never relaxing or peaceful it was just you know waiting and stressful and since i in my practice, um, I'm finding the skills, I'm developing the skills with the help of my Saga members to um, be in control of myself. I'm not in warrior mode anymore. I'm a, a peaceful, more peaceful person who's out negotiating the world and, uh, you know, sometimes just bouncing off of things, but, but not waiting to absorb blows and, and to give it back. And um, it's, it's great. So thank you.
1: Thank you, Jane. That's wonderful. Uh, and again, Jane and I basically started at the same time, and we made a connection that will always be special to me, because she's a good listener and I talk more than I appear to talk. So <laughs> uh, thank you, Jane. Uh, thank you a wonderful class. Again, each one of these are so special. Uh, And again, the Sangha is the strength that uh, we all rely rely upon. So thank you, everyone. Uh, We'll finish up with Metta. So find a comfortable position again. The Buddha's words on Metta. This is what should be done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. Let them be able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied, unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways, peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud or demanding in nature. Let them not do the slightest thing that that the wise would later reprove, wishing in gladness and in safety, may all things be at ease. Whatever living beings there may be, Whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born, may all beings be at ease. Let none deceive another or despise any being in any state. Let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another. Even as a mother protects her child, her only child. So with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings, radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outward and unbounded, free from hatred and ill will. Whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one having clarity of vision, being free from all sense desires, is not born again into this world. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, David. Thank you. Thank you, David. Bye-bye. Bye, Bye, Nina. Bye, Nina. Read that of sad. Bye, James. Bye, Jane.
9: Bye, David.
0: Thank you for listening. I rely on donations to support the continued restoration, preservation, and presentation of the Buddhist Dhamma. If you find benefit here, please consider a donation at becoming-buddha.com Thank you. Peace.